0: Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to the Ninety Three Twenty Friday Show—the show that needs ITV to commission a hard-hitting drama about Andy Hinchcliffe. Uh, we've got one huge bumper show today. Looking at Huddersfield, Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Sven chatting to a Newcastle fan—one of the best—and previewing a big match under the lights, injuries, and another crucial month ahead. Perhaps to do so, got two greats in. No sarcasm today. It's Asan and Stay. Uh, good morning, Asan. How are you?
1: Morning, Howard. I'm really good. How are you?
0: Yeah, not bad. Friday's finally arrived. So. Hey, <laughs> fried chicken night. So, what's not to like?
1: So, very nice. nice. Yeah, you feeling alright? Looking
0: forward to the weekend.
1: I'm really looking forward to the weekend. Looking forward to the game. Um, just looking forward to the weekend in general. Although I'm gonna, I'm gonna work most of the weekend. Um, just because. I feel as though I want to start this year as well as I can, get a head start on as many different things as I can. So part of that means that tomorrow morning I'm going to get up, go for a run and work as if it's a normal day until the football starts. Fair enough. Stay.
2: Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm very jealous of Asan's proactive weekend. I have to take my daughter to dance class <laughs> and and watch loads of two three- and four-year-olds do ballet. But, yeah, never mind.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you'd rather be working? I would, I would <laughs> so rather. Say, it's I've that been- bad. I'd be rather down a pit, mate, yes, down the coal face. <laughs> <laughs> the things you do, eh? I bet exactly. you love it really, though, don't you? Sir? I just go on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Look up now and again, go, oh, yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. <laughs> you don't really need to be there, do you, for the actual hour what? Well, I got told off in the first week. Um, she started, like, basically just, playing up and you know so i went over and kind of you know just tried to get back in line and the dance teacher told me off i was like oh okay sorry so i just sit in my seat right. now so I, I know my place yeah you got carte blanche now to <laughs> Yeah, do scroll yeah. through twitter for an exactly hour,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah uh should we talk football then we've got a, talk lot, football. Yeah. a lot to get through so uh it's weird i thought at least the second Friday show, in a row where we hadn't had a midfield uh, midweek game to talk about. Stay, I'll stay with you. Uh, we do have a game last week though, the Huddersfield match, uh, a procession. Let's be honest, we'll talk about <laughs> it briefly. Are these games done deals nowadays for you when you approach them? Was it arrogant to claim
2: so? No, I don't think it's arrogant at all to, to to assume that you're going to beat Huddersfield, and furthermore, to assume you're going to beat them handsomely. Um, they're way down there in the championship we are multiple league uh, premier league winners and we have the likes of phil foden and the like in a team it's i i think the opposite is patronizing to kind of people's intelligence really if you know if you go around of course you've got to go around with some humility humility um but only and the degree of it, it has to be some has to be mixed with realism and acceptance of how things are and and if you say to people, oh, you know, Huddersfield, it might be tricky out know, the weekend. I can make a potential banana skin. That people just say, oh, sod off, <laughs> you know. It, it, so you have to be realistic about it and say, were, yeah, we are massive favourites to this game and very conceivably we could thump them. Yeah, there were three other Premier League sides at home to lower league clubs that day. And none mm. of them won. <laughs> so yeah. But they're not Manchester City, though, are they? No, well, exactly. If you're a City fan, it's it's a tricky kind of balance to 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 get, really. But I think most of us are are now so attuned to it. So, of course, yeah, you 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 can't go around being arrogant. We don't want to be like that lot, and and how they were. But at the same time, yeah, we're we're Manchester City. We're the best (laughs) team in the world, in the land and all the world. For goodness' sake, Man C, Man C, we're the MC. Uh he said,
0: do you enjoy games like this? Uh, when you when you saw the uh, draw, were you happy? It was like, this is what the sort of game I want, or did you want a potent potential banana
1: skin like a way to
0: a championship or a league on side?
1: No, the give me the easiest draws possible in in, in the cups. Ah, um, you're out of luck then in a bit. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. But yeah, um i I think the I think the good thing about games like Huddersfield is that hopefully it gives Guardiola the opportunity to play a player or two from the academy. I think that that's, that's what keeps me interested in getting the easiest draws possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, we saw that last week with, with Bob and Lewis starting, so. Yeah. I guess should be talking about Bob, but no, there's only
0: one thing I want to talk about today. Uh, Who was that then? The return of Kevin De Bruyne. Oh so, yeah, 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 yeah. So I half wrote a blog about him being the point of football, but couldn't find enough ways to say that. So I only got to six hundred words and said, "Well, uh, I can't really release this as there's only it could be one line really, but without wanting to sound scouse, uh, watching him play, <laughs> watching him play is the point of being a football fan. Does that make sense? His return felt emotional as much as it felt important to the City season." Mm. because I just got
2: absolute joy seeing him on the pitch again that's a word isn't it it's joy um yeah the, the response to him coming on was was joyous actually uh it was lovely to see it was emotional um and I completely agree he is the point of football And it's ironic that you couldn't kind of you know uh formulate the, the kind of full article about it because Kev would have found that from 40 yards <laughs> 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 um he's just an incredible footballer um his movement, everything he does, everything he does on the ball, um, is just a joy to watch. And seeing him come on, it just made you realise how how much in denial we've been. It's like, okay, we're doing all right without Kev, yeah, we'll get by, you know. And and he's back in the new year, and and then he comes back. It's like, oh yeah, this is we are absolutely blessed to watch his a week in week out, um it's just the things that he does and i know that sounds really banal and obvious but it it really comes down to that it's he does the same things as other players but he does it in a certain way and the best example of that was his assist as well the overlap that the drive to that byline and finished with that exquisite kind of sumptuous kind of clipped cross there isn't any other city player who would have done that they would have Done, gone through the same motions, but he wouldn't have done it in the same kind of style and he wouldn't have done it in the same kind of perfection as he did it. Um Yeah, it's so, so good to have him back.
0: Mm. Hey, Sam, were you worried about him coming on? Uh, a couple of friends at halftime didn't want him yeah. appearing. Yeah, a little bit. surprised me big time because I thought it was inevitable and necessary, though. I,
1: I would say it was a bit earlier, probably about 10 minutes earlier than I expected. It was a lot earlier than I expected. I, I genuinely... Looking at the first half of that game, I sort of half expected Guardiola to go, yeah, no, it's all right, Kev, you can relax again today. So to see him coming on, I think it was like 57 minutes, something like that. Yeah. I was really surprised that it was it was that early. Um, yeah, was, I mean, look, uh, you're always worried when you've got a player coming back from injury, uh, particularly when they're being thrown into a game that feels as though it's quite physical, but actually in the end, it felt almost like the perfect run out for him. In that there was space, got the opportunity to sprint after a couple of balls, test his hamstring out, got himself an assist because that's just what he does. Um no, I was uh and he looks he looks ten years younger. He he looks like yeah, he looks younger than when he signed for us, which is quite mad.
0: Yeah, yeah. Loving the barnet then.
1: Yes, yes very much so, very much so. Cause it's similar to yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it isn't, but sure,
0: we'll go with that. Well, you know, some of us can't do it that long. So <laughs> uh, he's the biggest assistor in the top five leagues since the start of last season, despite being out for what five months, and he's actually six clear of second place, which is Salah, uh, despite being out for five months. Did I mention that? Uh, Steve, when, uh, to be honest, I wasn't worried. One, once he was on the pitch, I wasn't worried at all. It just felt like ah. Oh,
2: Back to yeah. The days, yeah yeah i i was in the camp of oh i don't i don't like this he's yeah. let nothing go wrong and then I, I got to thinking well at what stage do we play and then you know if he if he's ready to go then he's ready to go and um just to extend on what you said there about his kind of assists he played 49 games last season he created 137 chances 99 from open play he created 44 big chances um his 28 assists was eight more than any other player across Europe's top five leagues. Lionel Messi got 20. It's we, we, we have to kind of factor in that we have a world great, an historical great in our team, a player who maybe won't be appreciated to the fullest extent until he retires, and we look back on what he did for us. But right now he's playing for us, and we should just revel in every moment. I
0: would suggest he's so good that anonymous rival fan accounts on Twitter don't even bother anymore to suggest otherwise. Yeah. (laughs) Which I guess is the ultimate accolade.
2: Because even David Silva would be compared from time to time. What did Aguero really do after (laughs) QPR in big games? Like. Ozil versus Silva would pop up now and again on Twitter it's like are you guys for real but you don't see that anymore with Kev even kind of you know the Arsenal lot and the Liverpool lot they they fully accept it now and so they just don't mention him that's their best approach Eh Ehsan one player has scored only one player
0: in England has scored in the last six FA Cup campaigns do you know who that is Phil Foden of course well we talk a lot about him but we must do so again
1: Is he at his peak right now, performance-wise? I think it's the most consistent um, set of performances he's put together in midfield or centrally, if you want to, you know. Yeah, I guess he played centrally when he played false nine, but you see what I mean? Sort of playing as an attacking midfielder, I think it's the most consistent run of games that he's had and it's the most consistent run of performances that he's put in at a high level. And it's funny because... I'm I definitely feel as though there's a lot of there's always a lot of chat around Phil and there's a lot of chat right now around oh like look at how he's matured and you know maybe now he's ready to play centrally. Whereas I sort of look at it and go, This is the first time in his city career that he's been given five, six, seven games on the bounce as a central midfield player. And he's showing that he can play in that position. If he'd have given, if he'd have been given that same run two years ago, he'd have shown the same thing two years ago. I think that it's a little bit, it's a lot of sort of trying to damn fill with faint praise or, you know, trying to talk about how like, this is all part of some grand master plan. And now he's finally ready. I just don't agree with that. I think wow. now he's been given the opportunity and he's showing why he was always going to become a central attacking midfield player.
0: Right, I've got an, an awkward question for you that's probably impossible to answer. Is he in his form because he's playing centrally and he's getting games week after week in the same position? Or is he playing brilliantly because he's just playing game after game in the same position and it could have been a different position like on the right or left and we'd still be seeing this level of... Performance, so I what I'm asking is, is it is he playing this good because we've moved him centrally, or just because he's in a settled position? Because he has
1: been moved about so much for years and years. Mm, no, I think it's because he's playing centrally. I think that what 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 is ending up happening is that Phil is seeing a lot more of the ball throughout the game by playing centrally, and the more that Phil sees the ball, the more that he can affect games. I think you've seen. For example, I think he played the right wing six, eight weeks ago. And I made the point that he was playing it like Grealish played the left wing, that he was playing very safe. And it was all very much about keep possession, come back towards the fullback or the midfielder, receive the ball, pop it off again and just sort of do that in a cycle. I think playing centrally, he has, he can see more of the pitch in front of him. He has more opportunity to, to, to make k- killer and telling balls into the penalty area, which, which I think is one of his best skills. I think there's very few players who can play those short five, 10 yard passes in behind a backline as well as Phil can in our squad. I think maybe Kev is the only other player that can play them at the level that Phil can play them at. So. No, I don't think it's about him just playing games consistently. I think it's literally about the fact that he's playing in a position which is going to end up being his, well, it is his best position. It's always been his best position. It's going to end up being the position that he plays the most in over the course of his career um, because of the impact that he has when he plays in that position.
2: Since Christmas, no player in the top flight has created more chances for to play than Phil. Um, and for me, it's all about the half turn. There is no player better in the Premier League at taking a ball on the half turn mm. than Phil Foden, and he gets so many opportunities to do that centrally compared to out wide. And um, that's a big difference for me.
1: Last Wait, day. hang on, hang on, hang on. What about what about Curtis Jones, man? He's like the most underrated player in the Premier League and, right and now. And Trent, and Trent. Oh, time
0: someone said it, Asa. Hey, Thank you. you I agree?
1: I mean? We we need to. Somebody needs to definitely write more newspaper articles about how good Curtis Jones is. <laughs> especially now that, especially now that Trent's got a little knock, we definitely need a, a couple more stories about how good Curtis is.
0: I'm on it. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, Howard. <laughs> blog coming, blog coming later for 9320
2: podcast. You're on it. Looking out for the headlines, Howard, for quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay. Uh, so let's bring it together.
0: Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden in the same side. Uh, what's the issue here? <laughs> uh,
2: right, I, I'm just going to go first and say that if I was manager of Manchester City, I would play Rodri, Phil and Kev as a midfield three and just win the league. There we go. That's, that's all I've got to say, no matter. Keep it simple. ASAN, hey, I think <laughs> yes. you've got an op- I think Aysan's got an opinion on this.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Reading between the lines. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, the idea of can they play in the same team is that that question uh, would only ever arise at City with the people around us who talk about us. I don't think there's very many other football clubs where having Phil Foden in your team and having Kevin De Bruyne coming back would lead to a lot of kind of, you know, tugged forelocks and stern looks. Oh, how are we going to fit them in? I'll tell you how we're going to fit them in. Guardiola's going to pick them both in the same team and Pep will figure it out. And actually, I think that we've, there's a lot of different ways in which we've played already this season that would make it work. So I think, for example, We've seen at times Bernardo playing on the right wing but ended up ending up playing pretty centrally because Kyle Walker's playing high and wide. That's one way that you can do it. You can also do the classic 4-2-3-1 and stick Kev in the two next to Rodri, which actually, in the sort of medium term I think is what is going to end up happening I don't think that I think Kevin De Bruyne is going to remain in our best 11 and I think one of the things that I think will happen over the next 18 months is that Kev ends up playing a bit closer to Rodri and Foden gets a bit more freedom to play in between the lines and actually again if you look at Kev's game Kev's game has never really been to play The number 10 position in the way that Foden is currently playing it. So he's never really been the guy who will go and stand in between the defence and the midfield, receive the ball on the half turn in the way that Phil does in really tight areas. De Bruyne has been much more of a roaming playmaker almost all the way through Guardiola's. Time at City. And I expect that what they'll do is they'll see if they can find a way to make that work with Rodri and KDB, and KDB maybe floating a little bit less Mm. than he normally would, but still having license to move into dangerous areas, but also keeping Phil in the position that he's currently playing in. And last thing on this. I actually think that there's a way in which we get stronger for doing it in the way that I've just described, because I think Kev is probably one of the best in the league at picking the ball up in his own half, turning around and seeing a pass that nobody else sees. And if he can feed Foden quickly, because that's maybe been my only frustration in the last month or so has been sometimes in the build up, there isn't really the lad who's gonna punch the ball through the lines to fill quickly. And the faster that you get Phil the ball, the more chance he has to turn and cause chaos. So yeah, I think there's I think there's a few ways in which we see Phil and Kev together with a view to if you look at the run in last year and the big Champions League games, I expect Phil and Kev will play together in those games.
2: Just to add to that as well, I think Kev maybe now and certainly in the next couple of years will relish that kind of role as well because it seems to me that players like him and like Steven Gerrard and there's probably a handful of others I can mention who will not come to mind right now, they love playing that quarterback role. That's their that's their ideal position. That's what they love to do. They love to do precisely what you said there, Asan. Receive a ball turn, And just pick that pass, and you know I'm sure he loves roaming all over the pitch. But that's what he—that's how he'll ideally see himself, I think, as a quarterback, Mm. uh, as a metronome. Um, And so I think he'd relish that role.
1: I think you know, as mad as it sounds, I I think that his the 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 type of skill set that he's got. The deeper you play him from, the more the more dangerous he is in a way because. Ultimately, for me, the sort of the the goal scoring side of his game that he brought from Wolfsburg, we've a little bit swapped that out for the passing game for the assists, and I think now with the way in which Phil has developed, you actually can use Kev in a way that allows him to create for more than just Haaland by playing him from a little bit deeper. Yeah, stay. I've
0: saved the most important question for last. Mm. Uh, I sent football cliches a suggestion, but they weren't right. interested and no one else seemed interested in it either. And you probably won't be either. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But anyway, match of the day commentator said that uh, Pep Guardiola's got some player on his hands with Phil Foden. So I suggested to football cliches, can you have a player on your hand that's he's had on his hands for six years
2: or so? Mm. Because that sounds to me like something you've just signed or just broken Absolutely, through. I completely agree. And I, I think uh, Adam should have picked up on that and included it, frankly. Because uh, it, <laughs> well, it's, to, it's few, odd things to say. devastated, it? yeah. It is an odd thing for a commentator to say. Um, but that just shows how we're perceived, really, and, and kind of commented on. Um, I, I hear things like that often from commentators where they're talking in the present tense as if we haven't just won multiple league titles with these players yeah, good. I'm glad I've got you on board then. It's just the
0: two of us. Anyway, City always get an easy cup draw, so we've got checks and notes. Oh, Spurs away, so <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> <laughs>
3: excellent
1: uh, news, excellent news.
0: Yeah, brilliant. All right, let's start with the uh, when it's being played, a Friday night, clubs take the money. They don't care about the fans. We have to suck it up. I mean, what are your thoughts on? I mean, nine thousand fans, yeah, you know, allocation, uh, and my timeline was full of people going, "Oh, I was going to this. I ain't now." Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the horse bolted years and years ago. Where uh, have we got a right to complain?
1: I mean, absolutely, we've got a right to complain. It's <laughs> it's not about for you. Yeah, I mean, it's just not. It, it's just not right. I don't care about you know how long it's been going on for. It doesn't make it any more correct that they make decisions like this. It's just it's just a joke. I mean, there is I mean, I'm sure they'll they'll do something like this say, oh yeah, we're putting an extra train on. Well you've got to, <laughs> because there are no trains coming back from London after the full time whistle. So you're gonna have to do some um yeah. Well that's it. The club could put
0: coaches on. I mean, it's hard to get these coaches. I know it's logistically; it's not just like clicky fingers. But they should be doing something here for the fans.
1: Well, let's see. I mean, let let's see. I'm I'm uh, (laughs) I'm not brimming with confidence that Team Ferran are uh, are currently in the offices, going right. How do we make it easier and cheaper for the supporters? Uh, Somehow, struggling to see that one.
0: And of course, if it is a draw then at very short notice, the Brentford match will be put back or forward. Forward? Uh, It'll move from the Monday night to the Saturday night at very short notice. so Just says it all, doesn't it? And of course, it's not just City who have got ridiculous... Yeah, These these cup draws have uh, stitched up quite a few fan
1: bases. Yeah, look, to be fair, we don't really need to worry about a replay because we're losing 3-0. So it's all good. 1-0. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. Well, let's talk about that. Timo
1: Werner hat-trick. You know it. You know it. You know it. You know it. Everybody Steve, write you, it down now. Timo Werner uh, hat-trick.
0: They will have a lot of players out. I yeah. I don't think Madison will be ready to return there. You know, he's a couple of weeks away from proper training, I think. So, and it's been long-term enough that, you know, it's like, it's not quite Kevin De Bruyne levels, but He won't be going straight back into the side and ready. Sonny's away, of course, as is Presumo and Sar, I think. Yep, yep. Heavy, sigh. Best chance of winning there or even scoring. Uh, How much does the past record count for? Normally, past records are utterly irrelevant to me, except for this one, because when something happens on such a regular occasion, you have to wonder if it's all coincidence.
2: Yeah, but... It's always Kane and Son, and neither of them are there. I mean, mm. okay, we can we can kind of fixate on Spurs, but it's not. It's those two. So, and and neither of them are there. So, as you say, that they're minus their two best midfielders, who have been their absolute, you know, enterprise and endeavour, and uh, everything about them has come from that midfield and all the energy in there. So, take those two out, take Son out the equation, and basically, you're looking at Richarlison being ruthless or not and he tends to be not. Um, I think we're going to beat Spurs there. I I think it matters greatly to Pep to start winning against Tottenham. I think he takes it personally. Um, Yeah, you can look at the past, and of course, they have hurt us time and time and time again. I call it the Tottenham tax. I don't think we're going to have to pay the Tottenham tax this year. I think we're we're going straight through to the fifth round. Oh, nice, Sam. (laughs) Just looking at it,
0: trying to do it logically, do you actually think there is a psychological issue here going into this match or do you look at it logically and think we should still win
1: this i mean look i don't think i don't think a team that that's won as much as we've won i don't think we can accuse them of having psychological issues i, I don't think that's fair i think that you know i mean it just it's one of those where we play in a way that suits certain types of teams and the teams that it suits the most are the teams who are the most dangerous on the counter attack. And with Son, with Kulisevsky, previously with Kane, Spurs have always been insanely deadly on the counter counter attack. And on top of that, I mean, it just feels as though in every game we play against Spurs, one of their players scores a goal that if he hits it another 40 times, it ain't going where it goes. It just so happens that, you know, the buying a lottery ticket day and winning is the day that you play city. So no, I don't think there's a psychological thing. And look, I think even for my jokes about, Oh, three and to Spurs, I don't want to lose that game. I absolutely don't want to lose that game. And, I am 99.9% sure that Guardiola will put out the strongest available team that he's got on that night. So it's after a break. It, so exactly. It'll be very disappointing if we don't win the game.
0: I'll take a draw.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> <I'm>,
0: <laughs> we will, of course, preview nearer the time. Uh, just one more item uh, sadly to discuss uh, in part one. Uh, three parts of this podcast. Of course, sad news this week uh, that Sven-Göran Eriksson, age seventy-five, has got terminal cancer. Uh, he did a video interview during the week. I've, obviously, our heart goes out to him and his family. A uh, lot of obviously people's emotions online because such a, uh, a lovely human being, above all, uh, and a good manager. as So many players uh, obviously came out. Ex- players came out and said. But for us City fans, of course, it makes us uh, cast our memories back to the 07-08 season. Mm. Uh, obviously, chance for you to both to speak on this, but Steve, I'll start with you. I initially put how good was that half season, and in practice, mm-hmm. and more under him, yeah. coming off the dour Stuart Pearce era. <laughs> yeah. It was one of the most fun seasons, one of the most crazy seasons, but above all... It had that key thing that all football fans crave more than anything. He gave us hope for a while, did he not?
2: He did. You know what's What's bad about looking back at that half season, that first half of the season is we won so many games one nil. Um, mm. I'm just, I'm just looking in front of me now, and there's five games that jump out, home wins, one nil wins. Um, but blimey, we would t- we'll take one nil wins after Stuart Pearce. Um Yes, yeah, Van was. And, you know, I'll I'll kind of add in here his, his time as England manager as well. He was someone I never really fully understood in, yeah. as regards to I thought, what do you I, I didn't understand how kind of how he did what he did but he did it. He brought in entertaining players he produced entertaining winning football. He did that for at least six months at City at a time when we desperately were in need of it um, but The biggest thing for me, though, Howard, is how much of a gentleman he is, and always has been. Um, He got so much flack from the English media, and he just got through that like a don. He just took that on board, and just he 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 didn't didn't faze him. You know, he was a he was a gentleman um, throughout the whole time, and you're seeing all these hypocritical tabloid hacks now saying, you know, what I'm saying now, how much of a gentleman he was. And it's like, yeah, but you would have bastard to do with trying to bring him down all the time. Um yeah, I, I think it's rare actually to be in a position that he was and to have the pressures that he had to dealt with. Um and to remain a gentleman. Um and it's such sad news. I mean, it really is heartbreaking news. Um, and, you know, just my thoughts go out to his his family and his extended friends. He is just going to have a multitude of friends in the, in the football industry. Um, and hopefully we're all getting in touch right now, I'm sure they are, and, and kind of offering their support. Yeah, I think he, uh, he left a
0: post or didn't do it about a year ago, so obviously it's something he's known for a while. Yeah. Uh, send your thoughts uh, on Sven that season and his time at City?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, <clears throat> I, I, I kind of view Sven as, as almost the, weirdly the beginning of the Abu Dhabi era in so far as, even though Sheikh Mansour didn't come in until after Sven left and, and Hughes came in, I think hope and posi- positivity and and almost like dreaming bigger was something that happened for the first time in my I mean I want to yeah no I'd Keegan never really made me even though Keegan like had that you know the Robbie signed Fowler and he had an Elka there and but still I never really I never really bought it with Keegan I never really bought the idea that Right, this, this guy is going to take City, and City are now going to become a serious Premier League football club. That you know, as a go at the top six, um, yeah. and and I felt as though Sven really did that. He gave me that hope and that belief, and I think you know, you can't lose sight of the fact that. It was a pretty eclectic ragtag bunch of players that they signed that summer. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like it's not like they it's easy to let to let your your mind kid yourself in thinking that like, well, you know, it was like the summer that we signed Bernardo and John Stones and no, really, right? Javi Garrido and, you know, just the the, it's the Bianchi era. I yeah, mean the, the lack the of the ghosts did for us. Exactly. Yeah. Bianchi. I mean, it Just it was. It it was a it was a very uh, it was a really fun season up until January. It was a really really fun season up until January. You know what? I think um,
2: Keegan took us on a roller coaster ride where Sven Mm -hmm. said, "Why don't we build a fun fair?" And and I think that's the difference between the two.
1: Oh, I like that. You've not
0: just come up with that, (laughs) surely?
2: Yes. Oh, I've done. Happens once a decade. (laughs) I patronize you, Steve. It won't That's happen now. Just come up with it. Will be it'll be twenty thirty four until the next one. So. Yeah. Uh, Keegan
0: was always enjoy the moment. Once it, yeah, this is mm. brilliant. I didn't really think about the future, but he brought some joy back and entertainment uh, when yeah. we needed it, and so did Sven. But well, yeah, you felt like some perhaps it was building. Though, of course, he took over. You know, he didn't have to. Sven didn't have to manage it at the second tier, so had it a bit easier in that respect. But he did take over Stuart Pearce' side, so. <laughs> He also had it more difficult in that respect as well. So, and of course, double over United. Euro qualification whilst losing 8 1. Mm. I mean, <laughs> you could write books on this 12 months, couldn't you? So, yeah. Yeah. All the best to him. And yeah, what an amazing uh, memory he gave us. And it was the start of everything that's followed since. So, all the best. Yeah. Right. That is the end of part one. Uh, yesterday, I spoke to Newcastle fan Harry de Cosemo about all things Newcastle, and this is what he had to say. Absolutely brilliant chat with him. Uh, to talk all things Newcastle, I'm delighted to be joined by none other than Harry de Cosemo. Uh, good morning, Harry. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on again. Really enjoyed yeah, uh, no.
3: chatting to you last time. So
0: it was yeah thanks for coming on i appreciate you taking the time out so how's things for you right now uh
3: not so great person i just got off the back of a you might hear my voice is a little bit croaky because i've just got off the back of a bad cold at the start of the oh i think everyone's gone through one of those things at the yeah end of christmas so i'm caught i've been coughing my guts up for a couple of weeks but um i'm okay i think
0: i think i'm one of the four percent of the population that's avoided it for now but we'll see <laughs> uh long way to go in this uh you're a big fan of the January of January itself or this schedule fewer uh, fewer thought, league games basically and a bit more cup action instead
3: so. well yeah i mean it from a newcastle perspective it's it's very much needed because injuries have been <laughs> have been a a right, uh, pain for for them and um the just the number of fixtures it was three i think it was 30 days 10 fixtures i think it's wow. three or four in the neck in these 30 so I think yeah I think it's 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 definitely needed a little bit of a chance to to breathe again I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, just a quick follow up question on our topic I've no doubt asked you before because mm. I could just imagine the type of coverage we're going to get for this match at the weekend. Uh the the oil match meet up uh, what's it like being a newcastle supporter right now apart away from the performances which we'll get to of course but under your owners uh, anything changed since we last spoke still feel treated differently wrongly all fair game not bothered uh, where are you standing right now
3: yeah it's it's interesting because i, I kind of feel like newcastle fans of a, a, a bit like man city fans now they're just sort of seen as you know stooges to this Apologists. Uh, Yeah, yeah, apologists. And I think it's, it's, it's like everything. It's much more nuanced than that. I mean, the question that, you know, it's not like the way it's framed almost by some people, I feel like is that, you know, fans should, should, should take a stand or whatever. And it's like, well, the alternative, what's the alternative? You stop supporting the club. It's a reflex. It's not a choice. Mm. You know, you, you, you get the butterflies in the stomach every game. You get the butterflies in the stomach when yeah. there's a goal. You get that that buzz in the, in, you know when there's a goal that goes in. That that doesn't change. So, you know, I don't think Newcastle fans are particularly um, some some you know some like everything. Some some are a bit too you know happy about it. A bit too sort of willing yeah. to talk about it and willing to you know uh, cosplay it almost. I think to to troll people. I think but. Most people are, you know, they don't support what happens in obviously in 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 other in the you know in the political, the geopolitical space, obviously, and I don't think I think the other thing that thing to mention is that there does seem to be a bit of a turning, not in terms of the political stuff, but I feel like there's there's, there's a sense that the core Newcastle fan feels that the club's getting a bit more corporate now, and. Um, tickets are, le- are less available readily. They are the, the the way it's done for away matches and home matches. There's a ballot you have to go through now to get tickets. So this sort of thing is is more probably what's what what what's updated since the last time we spoke on this sort of thing. Um, and it does sort of feel like the I wouldn't say the honeymoon period because that never really happened. But mm. I would say that the sort of at least they're not Ashley type thing is not there anymore. I think the whole, the the people have moved on from that, you know, what they did to, to pull Newcastle away. And I think now the fact that they are, that there's a lot of sort of issues with ticketing and issues with, um, various different things along those lines and the corporate side and, you know, prices are going up and all this sort of thing. And it's, you know, that that sort of thing is more pertinent, I think, for yeah, for, uh, great, for, fri- yeah. for friction of from friction from Newcastle fans because ultimately to answer your question about the geopolitical stuff, there's nothing that the average Newcastle fan can do. You can say what you like about taking a stand, but just as when Mike Tashley was owner, there's nothing that fans can do when, you know, um yeah. Saudi Arabia the Saudi Arabian PIF takes over. So yeah, I think I think more of a sort of pertinent pertinent answer to the question is is how frustrated there is that, that there is a frustration growing at the sort of corporate element there.
0: uh Let's talk football then. It's fair to say, just look at sort of the Premier League table, ninth in the table, the shame of being below Manchester United. Uh <laughs> fair to say this season hasn't been perfect. What's your views on where the team are right like now? Are you still happy with the situation? Because Well, the main reason you kind of alluded to already, injuries and other yeah. stuff. So when you yeah. step back and look at it as a whole, where are you at right now with, uh, with the season?
3: Well, I think there's a lot of context that needs to be sort of mentioned yeah. here. I think if you, if you talk about the injuries, but also if you sort of say that, you know, let, let's imagine a parallel world where Tina Livermento doesn't get pulled up for that foul in Paris and Newcastle win that game. And Newcastle, and then and then Kieran Trippy doesn't make that mistake against Chelsea in stoppage time, and Newcastle win that game. Then they've got. Then they're. You know, I think they probably go on and beat Milan in the second, in the last game because the context of the of of any final game of the season, as you well know, um, changes You know, changes depending. On, it's yeah. not about who. It's not about a winnable game on paper. I think if Newcastle are going into that game with the Champions League in their own hands they probably win against Belenenses and James's. so that so then that they'd be therefore through in the group stage in this parallel world they'd also be through to the to the semi-finals of the cup, Cairo Cup playing a Middlesbrough side that you would think they would have a chance of beating and getting to Wembley again so the context would be just a couple of things would change and the context of the season changes but the reality is what that what they have which is I think more. I think injuries are a valid excuse to a point, but I would I would also question the whether they planned enough for this because they didn't really. There's not. They spent 150 million pounds in the summer, and all right, Harvey Barnes has been injured, and all right, Sandro Snali's ban. Obviously, nobody knew yeah. about that, and and those are mitigating circumstances. But there's 150 million pounds spent, and you should really be buying four or five players for that money that can come in and improve the first team or the first 15 players if you like and i would say that only 3 of them have the ability to do that um and two of them have been injured or banned mm-hmm. so the, the the team that was already struggling you know it was already sort of punching above it its weight if you like last season has had to do that again with a with a bigger fixture load with more injuries with more pressure a different sort of setup as well because they can't play with the intensity that they played with. It was trademarked last season. Yeah. And if you, if you take that intensity away from them, they've had to relearn a different style of play. And that takes time. And they've got to l- learn how to um, eat games out and dominate the possession rather than sort of reacting you know, on the counter-attack with their counter-press. And, and all these things sort of... you When you put all these things together, it's, it's not a surprise that they're not in the top four again and not where they were, but at the same time, ninth is a little bit difficult to swallow because, uh, and, and, a bit, and again, I caveat this to this I saying I think it's only four or five points difference to seventh and sixth. So, yeah, so, it, you know, it is tight, but there have been more games recently looting away and forest at home, particularly where you look at it and think these things to start that there's no excuses for those things. You need to win those games. And, and um, it is, in a game,
0: what, been, yeah, in on. a game, what's the main issue in games like that? Is it is it the press? Is yeah, like, because you can't press it, everything else kind of falls apart. Because that's yeah. a common problem with teams who need to press for their system to work. Or there other yeah. issues? Is it um, is it a multitude of things, or is it all related to the playing style and system isn't working because you can't
3: do what you used to do? Yeah, basically. So how it would start... So Newcastle's lack of... And uh, I'm sure you're aware that Newcastle are interested in Calvin Phillips this January. Um, yeah. The reason is because they want a number six. And this is kind of where it comes back to what I've said about recruitment. So th- last season and, and when they're at their best, the the, the whole system relies on Bruno Gamoraes to press and win the ball high and then recycle the ball in the final third. And Newcastle have got players up and they can attack and then, if the ball gets beyond Bruno Gmein, the defense is high up enough to, to step in and win the ball. And if that doesn't happen, the, the then they all retreat and defend their own box and get it out. But because the press isn't happening, the defense isn't getting high, so the so the ball just keeps coming back and back and back. And this is what I'm saying because, and that, the reason the reason that is happening is because that they can't play with the intensity levels, yeah. um, that, that that they that they have. My argument is, you knew that that was going to happen because the number of games was going to improve. Yeah. And so you would go and buy a number six in in the summer because you would then have a better chance of dictating the play in a different way and having a different playing style. They, they chose to buy Sandro Tonali uh, instead of a number six to sort of almost... Because Newcastle never win games when Bruno doesn't play... Um, I think their idea was to buy somebody who could do something similar to Bruno in terms of the the control of games like Tonali can and who would also complement him while playing alongside him rather than bringing Bruno higher up the pitch by bringing in number six. Now I think they're they're changing back to their original plan, which is to get number six in. Whether it's too late is, you know, who knows? And I think Phillips would be a great example of that, but not, that's where not my issue comes in.
0: Yeah, well, do you think you're going to do much active, uh, transfer activity in January? Not, I mean, it's the eleventh now. We record this day before the Friday show. Don't seem to be anything happening with Calvin Phillips. You've inquired about Solanke is the rumor. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. need another forward player. So, do you think you're going to be highly active this month? Do you think no, Phillips think, could happen?
3: I think Phillips can happen. Yeah, because I think Man City. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think Man City have made their set of store Oh yeah, you? I don't but, think. We're prepared you
0: know, to let it happen. Yeah, it depends yeah, on what Newcastle yeah, it, prepared to if they cover wages that sort of thing. Perhaps, yeah.
3: I think it's to do with the the loan fee as well. I think Newcastle mm, have been yeah. told about seven million, and I don't think they're going to do that. But I think that one's one to Deep that's pattern, the, only, yeah. the yeah the only one to 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 roll on will be that one. I don't see the Sianki thing this month. I think Newcastle do need a forward and a player who. I can see the, I can, there's an element of understanding the style of forward that they're going for with Solanke because he would replace Wilson who is sort of at this point now, he's getting on in age and his contracts running out. I think he's just signed in for another year, but he's getting on in age. His injuries are now, he's always been injury prone, but they're now catching up with him. Mm-hmm. So Newcastle got to put a plan in place. Solanke, I think I saw something this morning. If Newcastle want to be in the top four, top five, and challenging, and a real threat to Man City and Liverpool and Arsenal in the long term, how many other top six clubs who want who have that ambition would be signing Solanke this this month or yeah. in the summer? The answer is not many, and this is kind of where I understand that Phillips is a slightly different case because one, it's only for a short term fix until Tenali comes back, and the then they can reassess. But also, I do think. You know the the proof is that Man City bought him, and if Man City hadn't bought him, then somebody else in that sort of ilk of top six clubs would have bought him. He's a hmm. he a player. He's a he's an England regular. Some some would say questionably at the moment, but he's a player that is of the quality that Newcastle need. I'm not convinced Solanke is. I think Solanke is a good player. I like him a lot for the player that he is. I think he's having a good season, but.
0: That's it. He's having he's, a good season. Is that
3: he's having a good season? He's 26. Is that an outlier, he's,
0: or is he now going to kick on and be a completely different level player? So I think, I think risky, if he's twenty
3: one, yeah. twenty two, and he's doing that, you would yeah. look at it and think it'd be worth it. He's twenty six. He's just come from the championship. There's, there's not, there's no real proof of of, of, of any longevity there. Whereas yeah. if you look at somebody like when they when Newcastle signed Alexander Isak, for example, he's had a difficult season at Sociedad but the season before that he'd scored 17 goals and was linked with all sorts of big clubs. And he's now performing at that level again for Newcastle. Um, I, would say, I would say it's the same sort of thing for Bruno and the same sort of thing for Sven Botman. Those are the types of players that Newcastle need to be looking at signing that level, yeah. not, not someone like Solanke.
0: Final question then before we look at the match itself very briefly. Eddie Howe, two questions. The reality, is he under pressure from the owners? Is his job un, at risk? And secondly personal opinion should he be under pressure
3: so the first question to answer is um there's, well, there's, there's two sort of questions uh, answers to that question one is because <laughs> yeah. there's two sort of sides to the ownership there's the Amanda Stavely, of the Jamie Rubin side which is very much on you know very vocally supporting him they're very sort of public and in what you see and what you get from them is is what they say the question about whether the unknown about this is is pif and because they they sit behind um you know in the, in the sort of above in in this sort of shrouded emission nobody really beyond yeah. Yasser Al i remind you, no one really knows who they are uh there's and no one really knows what they think they they seem to me to be the sort of people who will drive any change if it happens but um it's the it's the unknown and the other thing to point out is that Amanda Stavely herself, and she has ten percent and Jamie Rubin has ten percent as well. Um, but they themselves are they have a contract with PIF to run the club. So they're almost in the same sort of boat as Eddie Howe in terms of proving that they can do it and having to show that ultimately whatever happens, the, the answer will be will, will be whatever Piff wants it to be. Um I don't think he is under pressure at the moment. I think the victory over Sunderland has has sort of Kept a, a whole can of worms closed that could have been problematic down the line. Um, I, you know, personally, I think Eddie Howe deserves at least uh, to the end of this season and yeah. possibly the start of next because of I think for me, if you look the at influences. where yeah. uh, how, circumstances, but also how far he pulled Newcastle forward in his own work. It wasn't the club, yes, but his own style. You know, the the, the way they play is his way. The way they work and train is his way. Everything has been built in his image, and it's done Newcastle the world of good for two years. So he doesn't deserve to be cast aside at the first sign of trouble, especially when you consider the injuries and the fatigue. It doesn't mean that he's far. That he's that he's away from criticism, as I say. Winning over Sunderland at the weekend. If he hadn't done that with with the. I think I don't know what the number of games is that they've lost in a row or before that was, but with Man City and then Villa coming up, there would have been probably some 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 people questioning by the end of January. I think at the moment everyone's kind of understanding, but you know you know, I don't know how long that lasts hmm. but but also the other point is that it's not like there's a myriad of great coaches out Options, there that are, that are because i think there'll be, there might be a point where Newcastle get to being regularly Champions League, a regular Champions League team, and it. it, it, I I hate using this comparison because it's so different. But the Mark Hughes, uh, Roberto Mancini thing, where Mm. where it was like there's an obvious uh, title winning coach that that is that who's used to working with big personalities that can take the club on to the next level. I don't think Newcastle are at that point yet. I don't know if they'll ever get to that point because of FFP and all this sort of, and the world has changed, but I don't, I yeah, I don't see him being under pressure at the moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, the slight difference is Mark Hughes wasn't our owner's choice, was it? And it always yes, felt that, like yeah. they're, they're waiting for the moment to put their own man in, Whereas, yeah. Uh, how is your, he wasn't, I am right. on not I haven't got my dates. Yes. Mixed up. He was, no, yeah. no, he, but, yeah. I think, in a way, he is a perfect... Yeah, I understand what you mean. It's like, when you go into the next level, they may think, well, he's not the guy for that. But yeah, I, I think he's done a great job, and you've got to use context for this. Uh, just very finally, you mentioned Sunderland. It's been a while since you played uh How enjoyable was that day? How nerve-wracking was it? D- did you enjoy mm. it at all? Uh,
3: I think I enjoyed it from whatever the moment when they scored the first goal was <laughs> Um I didn't yeah. enjoy... I'd, I'd never enjoyed the derbies because no, um, just, no sane because, person does. No, no, uh, the, you, because the whole thing is just not very fun and everyone gets a little bit more spiky. Everyone, you know, but also the, the context of this derby was with, the, with all the sort of stuff that was going on, um, in the, in the, in the bar that was changed. I don't know if you saw all that. Yeah. Um, with all the, the, the way that Sunderland went on, they did just didn't help themselves. And, It was a banana skin because of uh, the results that were going on, as I mentioned about Eddie Howe, but also, um, you know, it was a banana skin because because Sunderland also had this ridiculously great record against Newcastle over the last nine meetings; they were unbeaten, winning six, which is just unheard of from a Newcastle perspective in my lifetime. They, you know. A goal by Kieran Richardson in 2008 was the first time they'd won. They'd won at home since 1980, um, and, and Newcastle would would always win the derby at St James's when I was growing up. So it was it was all it, you know. So that was very difficult to to, to to take on. But so you had the pressure of being the better team in the in the higher division with all the money and all that sort of all that perception. But you also had the need to win to cancel all that out. So the, the pressure was very difficult to take before the game. The game itself was, was bizarrely the easiest derby I've ever seen Newcastle yeah. play, and I include the one where they won 5-1 in that, because they just turned up and, and, and strolled to victory. It was very odd to, to see that sort of lack of any real, real push from Sunderland until, until it was too late. And, um, I, I, so I think that they didn't really do enough to close the, the gap in quality. Mm. if you know what I mean, if you understand what I mean. But also, yeah. just, it, it it just shows, and this will happen, this is you know going on to the Man City game, it just shows how Newcastle need to play to win, because if Bruno Grimais plays well, Newcastle play well. If Alexander Isak plays well, Newcastle play well. If Anthony Gordon plays well, Newcastle play well. Those three players, in an attacking sense, will really set the tone.
0: So, Saturday's match, are you confident at all?
3: I think I'm as confident as you can be against Man City, just because um, you know, and with the caveat of the of the last game being at home, being against Forest. Um, I think, uh, and that defeat, but I think Newcastle have been so good at St James's for so long now that it it generally is second nature that that they will play well and they will yeah. do what they need, and um, obviously, I think it'll be a different game to the one when you came last because obviously that was right at the start of this journey. Newcastle were, were just basically able to throw punches and catch everyone off guard because I don't think people really knew what they were getting into. Whereas I think... You're forgetting the Carabao as well. (laughs) And the Carabao, of course. Um, yeah, That that does not count, now. But which is a bizarre, that was a bizarre game because uh, Newcastle started the game with no, but actually it kind of proves the point I just mentioned. Um, because they started the game with with a very scrap scratch team, didn't really do. They, they survived the first half, brought um, brought Bruno and I think brought Isak on, and then won the game in the second half with mm. a much stronger team. Um, I think Newcastle will. I'm confident Newcastle will play well. I'm not necessarily. I don't think you could ever be confident against a Pep Guardiola Manchester City team that'll win the who game. Who
0: needs to win more than both of us?
3: Uh, I, the draw well, suit thinking,
0: no one, or is a draw okay for both? Because there's I, there's easier it's, games in theory ahead. So
3: yeah, I think I think Man City. I, I'll never say that Man City need to win any game. You could lose the next two games and I'd still say you you'd win the title because you're the only team right. in, the, in the league that I think can win 15 games on the bounce like it's nothing. Um, I think Newcastle would struggle to to maintain anything if Newcastle don't get a result out of this and Villa which is mm. possible because they're both very, very difficult games. And Villa at home, uh, are, are I think they've got the best home record in the league. So yeah. that, that's going to be a very difficult game. Obviously, you up stop there. So. And then you throw in the Newcastle game, uh, the Manchester City game on top of that. It's very possible that you go into February having lost both of these games. And the top four then becomes very difficult. So I think a victory in this one would... Would be would be crucial. I think a point also. I don't think you can ever say a point against Man City is a bad result. So, yeah. I don't think it's actually. I don't think. I, I think Man City will will eventually have a run which puts them in a position to win the title because they yeah. always do.
2: I'm, um,
0: not, I'm not predicting anything. <laughs> My favorite is Liverpool think, are looking like a team who cut despite flaws. Everyone's had flaws this season. Let's be honest. Yeah could themselves because they've proved it in the past put together a ten match winning run, I think. I, or I just, the other thing is you might not need a ten match winning run to win the league this season because yeah. no one's getting to ninety eight points are they sir? So.
3: that's that's also very true but I do think that um mm. I do think that this game isn't actually that crucial for that. I think if you if you get a point out of this game it will not it'll not end your title. I yeah. hope if you going to so, get a point in this game it, it's a good it's a good yeah. grounding on it's a good Building block on the Sunderland game to then go into the Villa game. Hopefully, get something out like of that, and then it's Forest, Luton, Bournemouth in February, and that's exactly, where yeah, the a chance sort of,
0: to move up just, the table. Yeah, yeah.
3: Precisely.
0: Uh, I think Joe Linton's the latest injury blow for you. So, how, yeah, it's is is this all these injuries making the Newcastle lineup easy to predict? how, how a year for listeners, how do you expect Newcastle to line up?
3: Yeah, I think. I think it's. It, it is. It's, it's become very easy to to know what Newcastle it will be. De in goal. Yeah. The only question is whether it will be Livermore Le- or Burn. I would be surprised if it isn't Burn at left back, just because Eddie Howe really trusts him. Yeah. Uh, Botman and Cher and then Trippier. Um, I you know Levermento could could equally be in that back four. Um, Longstaff and Bruno in midfield with probably Louis Miley, seventeen um, year old, who. Who's been fantastic this season? Yeah. I think, you know, not just to to play in the Premier League as well as he has, but to play against Man City, to play sorry to play against Manchester United, to play against PSG, to play against Dortmund, Milan, Chelsea at that level, and, and dominate a lot of those games and score a goal against Fulham. Yeah, he's 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 been brilliant. So he 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 probably if Joe Linton isn't fit, he'll come in. Gordon on the left, Almiron on the right and uh, Alex Isak up front, I think, is most likely how they'll play. I think Joe Linton is out, and that is a massive blow. I think, actually, I'd argue that beyond beyond maybe the three that I mentioned, Joe Linton's absolutely the most crucial player that, that Newcastle, because he sets the tone physically and and in terms of the intensity. And um, He was brilliant in the first half against Sunderland, and um it's a long time since he's been a laughing stock i genuinely think that you know i'm a bit concerned that he's got 18 months on his contract and that most clubs in the world would do well to get him if, if to get him if he was available because he's absolutely yeah. phenomenal
0: Well time has defeated us could go on for another half hour i did have a question about how do you see the game playing out but it's kind of impossible to predict really though. i think it's yeah. going to be a tight one city will mm. probably have more of the ball of course uh, possession stats will show that That doesn't really count for anything anyway. Yeah, half-five under the lights. Uh, It's going to be a a tough one. I would be surprised if it's not a very tight game indeed. So I always end with a score prediction. Go with your head or your heart. It's up to you, or both.
3: I'll say 1-1. I would have said, uh, this time, you know, at the start of last month, I'd have probably said a Newcastle victory, but I think 1-1 just because Newcastle are, are... there's a little bit more doubt creeping in at St James's. I think that they can take anyone at St James's on their day, but I think, yeah, I'll go 1-1. But I agree with you, it'll be a very tight game.
0: Yeah, I, I at first, my first thought was that score, but hey, I've been accused of negativity in the past, so I'm going to go for a, a tight two on Winter City. But yeah, I think it's a game that will be decided on moments as much as anything else. So, who's uh, mm-hmm. clinical in front of goal, perhaps? How it. I said, could have talked for another hour, but uh, I know you've got uh, things to do. And obviously, I don't want to make our Friday show four hours long. So, uh, we have been criticized for the length of the show. Uh, I, I say it's as long as it should be. So, uh, thank you very, very much for coming on. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time it's out to talk about Newcastle. Yeah. And as always, after this weekend, all the best with the rest of the season. Hope we can talk soon. So, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, We'll return now to the panel to preview Saturday evening's game. Right. Thank you, Harry. Great stuff. So now we look forward to the weekend in part three. Uh, Just quickly, Steve, matches Mm. scattered over two weeks and a winter break. You're a fan of the break and how they've set it up.
2: Well, (sighs) it's kind of higgledy-piggledy, isn't it? And it's kind of neither one thing or another. You know, if you're going to have a winter break, have a winter break. If you're not, don't. Um, I do get the logic. Of course I do. But, you know, the FA Cup replays mean that there's going to be other games next week, I believe. I'm not sure on that. Um, and in which case, it's yeah. uh, some teams will have a break, some teams won't. Some teams will have a better break than others. Um, it's a bit wishy-washy for me, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I mean, it was needed. It was needed, of course. Everyone it was, needs it, yeah. Yeah, but well, it hasn't been done in a, in a comprehensive fashion or a proper fashion. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I mean, just we're going to talk about the Newcastle game and the injuries, and you used to just say, you could go through the the teams and go, yeah, they need this, they need this, they need this, they yeah. need this. So, and it looks like there's a bit of a cold snap on the way. They might have actually timed this one pretty well. So, but, uh I don't think it's going to be snowing so heavily that games will be called off or anything. Uh, A-Sign, I've got the most stupid comment for you to deal with Uh, (laughs) in the agenda notes. I've put big match, exclamation mark, in brackets, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do with that?
1: (laughs) Am I meant to do something with that? (laughs)
0: Uh, Just... Just freeform, yeah. Just get, okay. Style so your I'll way you, through the next two I'll, minutes,
1: please. I'll give you. I'll give you a little freestyle. I will tell you what. Yes. Are you looking
0: forward to the match? Are you anxious about it? I know the answer I'm, to that already.
1: I'm looking forward to it because it's a game I should be anxious about because it's a very important game. Why is it a very important game? It's a very important game because I suspect that the entirety of the country will be watching. I think the Scousers and the Gooners will be desperate for City to drop any sort of points. And I think on the flip side of that, they'll be desperate for City not to put a show on and not to put an exhibition on. Because I think that if City go to Newcastle tomorrow and win comfortably, the psychological blow that that gives Liverpool and Newcastle, uh, Liverpool and Arsenal is huge. And it'll be a psychological blow for Newcastle as well, obviously, because they'll lose. But yeah, I just, I think it's a, it's funny how I feel as though in each month, maybe, because of the way our results have gone, there's been a game that you go, that feels really big. Um, I mean, we, we were talking about must-win games two months ago. so <laughs> Don't it worry, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It gives you an idea of the way that... This season has unfolded. Now, I don't think tomorrow's must win at all. I think the reason it's not must win is because Liverpool and Arsenal have both been varying degrees of uh, inconsistent. And so. And they play each other again soon. Yeah, and they play each other again soon. So I feel personally, I feel as though it's a game that I want us to win because the win sends a message at the perfect time to everybody else now obviously we have to contend with a few injuries and that i think will limit guardiola's team selection and also will limit what he can do from the bench but also newcastle have got a lot of injuries as well so look in the main i'm tomorrow's one of those football days that i love and that is City play, a game that feels big, that feels important. Got all a Saturday to prepare for it. I, pr- I prefer to have the games on the Saturday than the Sunday. I don't necessarily like the the half four or half five where yeah. I am kickoffs on the, on the Sunday when it's a game like this. I think I prefer the Saturday tea time. So, yeah, that's my... Uh, have I filled two minutes? More
0: than. Absolutely Lovely. sterling effort. <laughs> Stay. you get the same question, must win. Uh, I asked to Harry who needs the points more of these teams? because yeah, question. Newcastle could be in the bottom half by then. Right.
2: Yeah, it's not a must win. It's a big game. It's one we, we would dearly like to win. But in terms of the title race, it's not a must win. I think there's going to be drop points from here on in. Um, and as... I'm just going to kind of reverberate what Aiton what said, really. It's Liverpool and, and Arsenal are dropping points. They are looking susceptible and that will help us. Um, Yet yeah, Newcastle are looking wearied. Um, the, the most interesting aspect for me this weekend is to what degree did their derby win over Sunderland last week? Revitalize them uh, and revive them. Um, you know they were celebrating in front of their fans after the game. Okay, an isolated one-off big game for them, of course, to play Sunderland. But they were looking in the dog rooms going into that game. And six, suddenly, six, six defeats in seven. Yeah, six defeats in seven, and the manner of those defeats as well is really interesting. So you look at the goals they conceded, and it's you know. That That alone is quite telling, but the shots are conceded, so basically in those defeats that we've mentioned there, they've conceded on average twenty one point eight shots per ninety now mm. you don't relegation team relegation fodder don't even kind of encounter that over such a sustained period of time, and Newcastle are that is what gives me the biggest cause of hope for city because we are a team home or away that can rack up the shots. And um, we've done so time and time again, season on season. Um, and with the players that we've got, and you look at the kind of like, you know, J- Alvarez, 2.8 chances per 90, Doku, 0.6 assists per 90, Foden, as I said earlier, the most chances from open play since Christmas. If we're on it, we can cause them a great deal of trouble. And I think it could even be quite a, I was going to say routine, it won't be routine at St. James's Park, <laughs> but a straightforward win. Um, it could be a 2-0, a 3-0, um, because they're, they're wearied. They are. And and even the players that they've got back, they've just got back. You know, Botman is, is not 100% right, and he's back in the team because he has to be. Um, they've got Weeks, a stop there, Yeah, true, true enough. But, it, I mean, it's a long-term thing with Botman, though, where he needs an operation, yeah. essentially, and he's put it off. Um, I fancy us up there. I, I, I think they are that, – that they've really – been impacted from the injuries more so for the players actually who've been fit and just had to be flogged to death week in week out yeah. and now they're well, suffering the consequences of that well uh some of these are obvious
0: so harry was talking about the importance of joe linton to yeah you know, the tempo yeah. or he sets the tone in a way he's announced this morning he'll be out for at least six weeks So pope wilson barnes willock anderson murphy all still injured uh Tenale, unavailable of course as we know uh, and, yeah, and he talks about the, the style of play they had last season and their schedule this season means they can't play the same way and mm. you know the, the press basically the press is just so important to so many teams isn't there because you can't do that when you're in Europe as well when you've got this schedule when you've got this injury list however ASAN it is St. James's Park and yeah. it's always a tough proposition there isn't mm. it man?
1: and I think you know I I think that Anthony Gordon and 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 Bruno are probably their two most important players. Mm. Um, I think Isaac
0: maybe I Isaac
1: think, yeah. uh, Isaac over Wilson for me. I think Isaac's probably a better player. I think Lewis Miley is going to be a top footballer. Yeah. Uh, every time I see him play, he impresses me a little bit more. So I don't view it as a game that you go there, look at their injuries and go, oh, well, this is a gimme. <clears throat> I just think that in terms of what, they, what they've what they struggled with, I think obviously they've struggled defensively. They've struggled to have, to maintain the intensity that they had for most of last season. Um, in bigger games, they've adopted a very negative shape. The problem they've got at, St. James's Park is that even against City, I'm not sure that Eddie Howe can get away with just sticking 11 behind the ball very deep and solely playing on the counter-attack. I think they're going to... I expect that they will try to play their normal intense game. And I think then it's going to be about City being clever controlling the ball when they've got it, not doing anything. Like, I think if we can avoid individual mistakes, then I think as a collective, we can actually take what they will view as their positives, the home crowd, the the energy, the fact they can get their intensity up. They've had a long break, so they're going to feel like, okay, we can come out and be intense. I think that we can take all of those things that they would view as positives and use them in our favour.
0: So City, earlier this morning, we had a... <laughs> Fascinating medical chat on WhatsApp, did we not? <laughs> uh, I'm now an expert on stress fa- fractures of the foot. Are <laughs> no? you staying now?
2: Yeah, I mean, so stones all, of but... Kanji Harland. It is it said won't be available for a while, uh, and G- Greedish hasn't trained us either. No. And, and just to throw in, in case I don't get translated, Bernardo Silva is, is training and, and will play, but he's coming off the back of a virus, and I don't like it when players have a virus, because, you know, he's going to be past fit, but he's such a dervish, you know, his mm. his energy levels, and will that be there? That That is a concern for me, Bernardo.
0: But how bad are those, that that list of absences Uh, still gives us plenty of options. If we're trying to suggest what side is playing against Newcastle. Mm.
2: Well, uh, yeah, it kind of picks itself a team. Um, Because like I say, it's like, what options are there available? The big question is, what does it Kevin De Bruyne? Well, yeah, I was just going to say the big question is Kevin and does he get an hour? Or does he come on for half an hour? Um, that's the one where we're going to kind of wait and see on. Um, but Kovacic and Rodri in midfield, um, who would you say at the at back then, Howard, with the injuries? That really is a, an area that picks itself, I guess, really. Ake, Gavardiol, Diaz, Walker. Would you go along with that? That's what he'll play, yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 And front free, eh, son? Sorry, I've just took over your job It's
0: <laughs> <laughs> So I,
2: I, I think <laughs> <also> happy. <laughs> I'm,
0: so I, I'm gonna start a new series of traitors, so I'll I'll see you all later.
1: <laughs> see you later, Howard. Right, if oh, you oh, just Steve. wrap it up by about quarter past eleven. <laughs> um the team I think will be Edison, Walker, uh Diaz, Ake, Gvardiol, Rodri, Bernardo, Foden. Oh. Doku, yeah, Alvarez. Have I forgotten a player? Yes, Kovacic. As well. Boom. Yep. There you go. Yep. So yep. it'll be Kovacic and and uh, and Rodri, and then Bernardo right, Foden central, Doku left, Alvarez up front. Now I'm picking that team on the basis that Grealish didn't train on the grass yesterday. It might well be that he was just absent for family reasons, and he trains as normal today. In which case, Grealish will start ahead of Doku.
2: What about Contra- Kev? So, hey, Ace, if you were Pep then, never mind what Pep would do, if you were Pep, would you start uh, Kev or have him come off a bench? Yeah.
0: He's no, doing his have... comments this week as well.
1: Yeah, but... I, I'm I'm using his comments from this week as well. I I would I would wrap him in cotton wool. I'd be looking yeah. at the last 20, 30 minutes of the game. Well, look, they gave him over 30 minutes against Huddersfield. So I can't imagine that if he's trained well and there's been no setbacks and there's no fatigue in his in his muscles, then I can't imagine that they'll they'll want to play him for less. So I'd give him another 30, but I certainly wouldn't start him.
0: At- mm. Well, my suggestion was you play him with the understanding he he isn't finishing, he comes off after an hour, but I don't think managers ever really do that very often. Don't think they'd want to pick someone they know can't finish a game, if you know what I mean. So mm. I don't know. I'm a bit torn. Obviously... Everyone at club knows better, and it's been a week or it will have been six days since the Huddersfield match. So, I I want him to start. So, yeah, I, I want him to start. Um, I don't think I he don't will. I don't think it's that risky. I mean, you can't, it's too late to wrap him in. I mean, if there'd been anything in midweek, it's different, but we're past the point wrap it. You don't have to wrap him in cotton wool in January because we ain't playing that often. No, so, but maybe
1: there's a maybe there's a better way to characterise it. Which match is fitness that, is the thing. Yeah, that yeah. that in terms of how you get Kev back to peak fitness, I don't think there's a rush. So, for example, I don't think that. It's necessary to start him tomorrow with the view of well, he did thirty last week, so get him to do sixty this week. No, I'd almost rather he did thirty three times and then they go, all right, now we'll give you an hour and we'll see how that mm. goes. I think also again, with a kanji with particularly with Harlan being out right, I think that's that's obviously uh. Not a good thing to have Erling out for a prolonged period of time. We've managed it really well so far, but I'd love to have Kev back and in the rotation, in the attacking options. And so because Erling is out, it almost makes me want to be a bit more cautious with Kev right now, looking at the fact that they've got a warm weather break coming up and they've got the FA Cup after that. I've kind of a little bit I've I've decided that Chelsea at home, I believe it is, uh, in the middle of February is when I'd like yeah, Chelsea at home on the seventeenth of Feb is when I've got my eye on all right, that's around the time that I want to see Kev starting games. And ideally, by that point, Erling's back in full training. And,
0: and that brutal March schedule. That's when Exactly. In yeah. a way, Pets probably thinking yeah. everything yeah, we've got we can put good players out now, obviously. But March is when I want, yeah, I want as many virtually everyone available, and he's probably thinking about that running, and not just because March is important anyway, but it is a brutal uh, set of fixtures. Do so. we have
1: both of the Howard? Do we have both of the Champions League? Let's say we get past Copenhagen, the are both of the um, uh, the quarterfinals in March, or is it? Do they split them up? Because I'm sort of looking at the calendar right now, and we've got Copenhagen on the 6th of March, Liverpool on the 9th, but then it seems we've got a full week until Brighton, and then two weeks until Liverpool. Uh, sorry, until Arsenal. We've got Liverpool on the 9th, Brighton on the 16th, and then uh, Arsenal on the 30th. So what's going on in that two-week Easter period? Uh, Quarterfinals are in April, so... Okay, not, so that. Uh, we're
2: not, we're not, are not. Champions League quarterfinals are held on the fifteenth of March. Oh, hang on, no, sorry, Howard. Not. Yeah, I mean, I remember the That's ninth wrong. or tenth yeah, yeah, yeah. or the sixteenth or seventeenth yeah, yeah. of
0: April. Apologies. So. Yeah, yeah. So the round of sixteen. Yeah, uh, there's one in February and one at the beginning of March. So sure, you don't have to. Then you can forget about the Champions League. Yeah. Whether we win or lose, uh, for yeah. the rest of March until t- ninth or tenth of April is when you next play the Champions League game.
2: Well, sure. it, right in between Crystal Palace and Luton, which
0: is yes, good, and, yeah. and because March is so brutal, April and May actually is a lot less brutal, though it mm. does, of course, in, include Spurs away. So, but mm. apart from that, it's very the running is is as kind as it possibly can be after that brutal March. So it's good not to have that Champions League driver, yeah. Diver, yeah as as an, an extra thing to think about with that.
1: I don't see see I don't look at that march as brutal, you know. I'm honestly I'm looking at that and rubbing my hands together and going if you're telling me that we've got what is it? Second leg cope, second separ- second leg Copenhagen at home on the 6th and then Liverpool on the ninth, and then effectively a week until Brighton and then two weeks until Arsenal. I'm all right with that. Like, you know, I yeah. I'd like to uh, yeah, I mean... I don't what's... know.
0: I don't know what the, the FA cut... If we get past Spurs, I don't know what the schedule is. The,
1: is that play... an international break? Can somebody... Can somebody? Yeah, I think there that? is. There's always one in yeah. March, yeah. isn't
2: there? Always so, one in March, yeah. That's yeah. probably what so, it is, yeah. So
1: that's what it is. There's an international break in there, which means that we play... We would play Arsenal right after the international break.
2: Which I don't like... I, it's yeah. I just I, I, there's yeah. no evidence to to back this up, and I'm sure if I looked at it, see how he's returned after ancestral breaks so and won. I'm sure that's the case, but I hate coming back after ancestral break. You always feel that we're out of our rhythm somewhat, or we're going to be. Well, you are,
1: but, aren't you? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I just think in terms of, in terms of rhythm, it's not great. But what I would say is that you definitely want that to be a home game. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. Bearing in mind that you know it's going to end up being on the TV. If it's not been moved already, then you know it will get moved. So even though it's currently Saturday at at 3, it'll probably end up being Saturday evening or Sunday afternoon. So you'll get, hopefully, as long as they don't make it the early kickoff on the (laughs) 30th. And they may. Uh, and they may, you never know. As long as they don't make it the early kickoff on the 30th, you'll have a little bit more time to prepare and the fact that it's at home. I think it's more of a problem for Arsenal than it is for us. And actually, hey, Sam, yeah?
0: No, just following on from that, sorry, just going backwards, sorry, I'm sorry to put in. I wanted to ask you about Haaland and whether you are worried about his absence right now. Dare I no. suggest we're not intrinsically weaker with his absence for now no. until we get to the business end of the season?
1: I think. I think one of the one of the great things about the last four years in general was that we played most of it without a centre forward, and so I think false nine city is almost muscle memory yeah. at times, and I think that as no, so how do I phrase this in a way that? it doesn't mean what I'm, what it sounds like. It means we we often look a better team without Haaland. And what I mean by that is not that we're a more threatening team or a more dangerous team, but I think we find it a little bit easier to control games when the lad who's playing number nine actually ends up becoming a fifth midfield player. I think that when that happens, City find it a lot easier to get their passing rhythm moving and so at no point have I looked at Harlan's absence as an issue for us and I think a little bit the fact that we had that little glimpse last season with Erling being missing for the Liverpool game and how well we acquitted ourselves with Alvarez up there I think it it kind of any any lingering doubt I may have had about how we would cope without Harlan it, it went away with that one performance. And so far this season, I've not really felt it. Like, I don't feel mm. like an existential threat that, oh my God, Harlan's out, we're buggered.
0: Crazy, but he's not the most important player yeah? no. because of how we play. It's nothing to do with ability or anything like that. But that's why I put the question in for the answer. So it's me saying it. <laughs> Stay back to this game. Then. How, how do you see it playing out? An absolute tight one could be decided on moments. You've already suggested if City turn up, mm. you think we could. You've even suggested so. we might get a clean sheet.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe so. Um, I, I think this could be the easiest, <laughs> Well, I the easiest, Let's, you know, I've got to put it in relative speaking and put it in context because it's St. James's Park and it's Newcastle and all of it. But I think in comparison to other times we've gone up there and of course, bear in mind, we lost to them in the League Cup earlier this season. Then, I think this could be the more kind of straightforward performance we've had up there for some time is is my guess. They have of course they have got threats. Anthony Gordon is, you know, he's he's really ripping it up up there and he's proved me wrong hugely, I have to say. And worryingly he's a bit of a, a, a home banker as well. He's, he scores a lot of his goals at home. Mm. Um did you not rate got, him I just didn't. I did see it. I didn't see I'd it. I now do. Yeah, I do.
1: Really? I do now. Yeah. You know, I, I maybe maybe it was the the couple of performances I saw for Everton, but yeah. I totally got it. You know who he? As mad as it sounds, he immediately reminded me of Milner in that. It was like, he can run for days. He can just yeah. run for days. He's super athletic. And technically, he, he looked a really good player. He looked like somebody who was ready for man's football, even at that point when he broke into the uh, into the Everton team. So I, 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 I think he's good enough to play for City. I know that yeah, that's going to gonna make me- people's heads melt. But that type of winger, he's definitely good enough to play for
0: City. Yeah, there was a game against City where... They were dour side, surprise surprise it's everton but but he stood out big time as a, mm. a bright spark, but then I think he went backwards a bit, but you know he was in a struggling side, and yeah. it, and I just couldn't see the consistency there. I thought it was a a player who was brilliant in flashes, but now. He's absolutely kicked on onto a different level. Then. I, I can
2: best describe how I felt about him by Newcastle's interest in him. So when they first interested him, I thought, yeah, that makes sense. It's a straightforward transfer. This, you know, it's good for all parties as long as Everton get a decent fee for him. And then when it it kind of hit problems and Newcastle raised the price and it carried on and and they seemed to be just fixated on getting Anthony Gordon, I thought, why are you fixated on this play? He's nothing special. But now I do get it. I, I do got- get it now
1: they've got a really good talent id man because i think yeah, the, yeah. i look at i look at gordon and i look at livramento and i go you know what the abs they are two players who were in the league or in the championship who are good enough to play for any of the top 6 um yeah yeah just loads loads of credit to their recruitment department i think Lewis hall will end up being a player too sorry howard gone
0: no it's just same question for you how do you see the game playing out i agree with you about i think their recruitment's been pretty good i mean harry was quite you know he wasn't quite as glowing because he felt that too much money went on too few players and that they should have been prepared for this schedule and the injury crisis, but I think, they have got look, I a think hell of a lot of players out. Yeah, really hell all. of a lot of players out. So I, I think the recruitment's been great as well. But yeah, yeah I, I was just a, going to ask you about how you, you felt this game will play out.
1: City dominating but, possession. Before I answer that, I think that Harry's a bit harsh in that I don't think you can legislate for the number of injuries that, that they had. I don't think that they were in a position where they could even though they qualified for Champions League football, it kind of put them in a little bit of a complicated situation because it was probably too early for them. They could probably have done with finishing seventh and having another season without any European distractions to try and build the squad over two years to get itself ready for for European football. Um, In terms of how the game itself plays out tomorrow... I mean, I expect, I expect City to score goals in in multiple. Just because I do think that, uh, I do think Newcastle will try and play high up the pitch, try and be as intense as they can be, and I do think that will end up playing into City's hands. Yeah, right. Score prediction, then, Asa. I know you love doing score predictions. Well, I said. I said four one to City on on Twitter in reply to um, in, rep, in reply to somebody earlier. So, to, I'm going to stick with four one City.
2: Stay. I think I went for two one with Harry. So. I think there's going to be t- chances and times where the Newcastle crowd really get up and it, it really intensifies. And how we deal with that is going to be key. And if we deal with that well, I think two 0 City.
0: Okay, I think City have just put. 10 years ago today, or something, 2 0 win there with the Grado and Jeco scoring. I don't remember this game at all.
2: <laughs> I love it when it happens. I, I've got a terrible <laughs> memory. It happens to me all the time where we're we'll, we'll talking about a, a, a past game and a pause. Like, I don't even remember this game. Do you? No? 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 I don't.
0: Anyone? No? No? All oh, right. Not just me then. That's, we're all getting old, aren't we, sir? <laughs> a sorry, state of affairs. But there are those just little games here and there that you think, I don't remember this game happening at all (laughs) even once from well I think we won it's not surprising there was a 1-0 win at Palace I think last season that Harlan scored a penalty it was an appalling game I mean it might be two years ago who knows but when I saw that one I went nope don't remember that game ever happening (laughs) so (laughs) that's old age for you right I think we've covered everything hey Sam anything else you want to talk about
1: Uh, no I think uh, I think we're all good brilliant well hey Sam Thank you very much for coming on. That was excellent, Howard. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: Steve, thank you very much. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. Uh, That's a wrap. We're all off to admire Jürgen Klopp for his bravery in bringing on a young player near the end of a football match last week. Hmm. A knighthood may be fitting. Uh, Have a great weekend all, and as always, Asan. Up the blues.